0: I want to say hi to everyone who is here with us at all all of our regionals. I'm preaching in our four-letter word series, and I have a really bad, nasty word to preach on, and that word is hate, okay? Hate. Uh, There seems to be a lot lot of hate out there right now, and it feels like uh, in some ways people are kind of embracing it almost. You know about the guy who turned 100 years old, and then he was interviewed by uh, the reporter. And the reporter said, hey, so man, 100 years, amazing. What what are you most proud of in your life? And the man said, man, I don't have an enemy in the world. And the reporter was like, that's amazing. And, you know, it's admirable. And he said, that's, that's admirable. Wow. So you're telling me that there's no one in the world you hate and there's no one who hates you? And the man's like, that's right. I've outlived every single one of them. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and that's... It's funny. It's kind of sad right now. I mean, people do just live with hate. They accept it as a part of their lives. The dictionary defines hate as a passionate dislike of someone. And that passionate dislike is inside people's hearts. But it often comes out. And it comes out in what they say. It comes out in what they do. People are treated unjustly. Or they hurt people. Or there's even violence. And I know this isn't true. But it feels like, it just feels like there is more hatred right now. I know it's not true. Um, but it does, it feels like there's a lot more passionate dislike coming out of people right now. But I know it's not true because in history, millions upon millions of people have been killed in the name of just pure hatred. Millions of others have been treated unjustly just because of hate, whole races of people. So I know there's not more hatred right now. I think though it's just so visible, right? Don't you feel that? It's so visible through technology and social media and things like that. So there's a, there's a lot of hate in people's hearts out there. Um, And it's always been like that, but why? Where does hate come from? I mean, are people just born with racism, right? Are they just born that way? Are people just born hating people of another race? No. You know what you are born hating? Broccoli, right? (laughs) But nobody's born hating someone of another race. You learn that. It's so sad, but you learn to hate. No one's born hating people of other races. They're they're taught it by their parents, and then they teach it to their kids. And, And, you know, hatred isn't only learned. It comes from a couple other places, too. Sometimes someone has hated you first, right? Or they've hurt you, and so now you struggle hating them. You struggle with it. And it makes sense that you do because of how you've been treated. So I want to say up front, too, that I understand there's real hurt people have felt and experienced, and God knows that, too, okay? So I'm not minimalizing your your real hurt, and God is not minimalizing it either. So as you listen to what he says here about hate in this text and what he wants you to do about it, remember that God knows what happened, and God will deal with that himself, okay? So what do we do with hatred in the world? Or what do we do with hatred when we find it, especially in ourselves? Well, we're going to look at a powerful text in Scripture that deals with hate. So go ahead and turn to 1 John chapter 4. I'm going to give you a little bit of extra time to get there because it's a little tiny book in the New Testament. It's going to take a little uh, bit of finding, okay? So don't worry if you can't find it right away. Um, But listen. This text has really affected me um, just through studying it. I kind of thought this sermon was going to be a little simple when I got this topic on hate because, you know, if you were me, you would think like, well, here's what the sermon would be. You shouldn't hate people if you're a Christian, right? Man, that's a pretty easy sermon to preach. Um, But let me tell you something. The Bible is is a lot more hardcore about this than that. And let me tell you something. This is amazing as I studied this. The Bible doesn't say you shouldn't hate other people and be a follower of Jesus. Stay with me. That's not the message. Listen, the Bible says you can't hate other people and be a follower of Jesus. You can't. I'm going to show you where it says it. I'm going to show you exactly plain as day where God says it. You can't. But the thing is, right, there are a lot of Christians who have done hateful things or said hateful things. Um, and and I, I was in a conversation with someone two weeks ago about this, and they brought up, and they weren't attacking. They were just like, hey, help me out. What about the Crusades? What about people who killed people in the name of Jesus? They said they were Christians, and they went and murdered people. And I just told them, look, you know, anyone who said they were a Christian or thought they were a Christian and went out and murdered someone in the name of Jesus was not a Christian, All right. The biggest enemy of Christianity is not non-Christians, it's false Christianity. That's it. And that's what the scripture teaches too, all right? So all right, here's a, here's a big theological sort of, wait a second, um, all right, so wait, the Bible says you can't hate other people and be a follower of Jesus. So are you saved then if you have hatred for someone in your life? And let me Let me just be really super clear and pastoral about this. Listen, if right now you have a struggle with hate in your heart, maybe someone hurt you, maybe you've not been able to let that hatred go because the hurt was so bad, the fact that you are uncomfortable with that hatred inside you, that's a sign that the Spirit is in you, okay? If you didn't struggle with it, if you were perfectly okay with just wholesale hating people, that would be an alarming indicator. You and I would talk, and I would ask, have you ever actually accepted Jesus into your life? Right? Perfection is not a sign of being saved. All saved people sin sometimes, and all saved people have to struggle against sin their whole lives, including times of bitterness that they have to put to death in their life. But God is telling you, and all of us, put to death any hate in your heart And he's going to tell us why in this text. And he's going to tell us how. Because the Bible says you can't hate other people and be a follower of Jesus. And God cannot use your life the way he wants to if you carry hatred in your heart for someone. He can't do it. He wants to do so much more. So hopefully you're in 1 John I uh, keep looking forward if you're not there yet. This is one of the two love chapters in the Bible. There's two love chapters, and these are chapters that are entirely about explaining how love works, what love actually is, the, the, the one everybody's the most familiar, familiar with is 1 Corinthians 13, because everybody reads it at weddings. But this is the other love chapter. The whole chapter explains how love works, 1 John chapter 4. So we're going to jump right in. Jump into verse 7 in 1 John 4. Listen uh, to God's message to you and I about hate and love. Here's how it goes. Dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not know God, oh, whoever does not love does not know God because, listen to this, because God is love. Now, there's so much truth revealed here, but the main thing this is saying is this. If you're an actual follower of Jesus, then love for others will pour out of your life. Why? Because there's a principle here that's true in all of life. What comes out of you is what is in you. What comes out of you is what is in you. So if God is in you, everybody, what comes out of you? God stuff. God stuff. And what does the scripture say God is? God is love. So if God is in you, what comes out of you? Love, right. So what comes out of you is what is in you. So if love comes out of you, God's there because God is love. Jesus himself says the same thing. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So if Jesus is in your life, and Jesus loves people, what comes out of you? Jesus stuff, right? Love. So if you're an actual follower of Jesus, then love for others will pour out of your life. Everyone experiences that spiritually, emotionally, every other way. What is in you is what comes out of you. So the text says, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. So if it's not coming out of you, he's not there. So what does it mean that love comes out of you? Like, fuzzy feelings come out of you? Like, man, I feel fuzzy about everybody all the time, right? Um, I hope not, because I don't feel fuzzy about people all the time, right? No, no, love is very practical. And the the text talks about that. Um, And that's what the scripture says next. It explains how practical God's love is, how it's real, how it's tangible, God God does feel love for you, but it's hands-on. So listen to how it says it. This is how, okay? This whole chapter is about love, how it works. This is how God showed his love among us. And it doesn't go then that fuzzy feelings come out. Um, God probably has fuzzy feelings about you, but that's not what it says. It says, this is how he showed love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. So the text is saying... What God means by love is not just, you know, you have these fuzzy feelings inside. Love is seen in actions you take. So how did God love you? He he loved you by taking action. He sent his son to die for you. He gave what was most precious for you. In hundreds of other things, there's all kinds of ways God shows love. But but in this text, it says, he loved you so much, he sent his son for you. Love is very practical. Love is very hands-on. In the same way, if you're a follower of Jesus then practical love will come out of you. Because if Jesus is in you, then Jesus' stuff comes out of you. Like what? Like fuzzy feelings? No. Like practical stuff. Love comes out of you in the way you deliberately make eye contact at the drive-thru, and you say, thank you, right? Love comes out of you in the way you have empathy and kindness for people who are different from you, like other racial or ethnic groups. Love comes out of you in the way you say things on... Facebook, okay, (laughs) kindness comes out, not spite. Love comes out of your wallet, the way you use your resources, not only for yourself, but for God's kingdom and for others in need. And love comes out of you in the way you are gracious to people who don't agree with your views of life or politics or lifestyle. Listen, whether someone is a Democrat or Republican, or lives a lifestyle that doesn't agree with God's word, you still love them. Regardless if they believe what you believe, or even if they don't agree or believe what scripture says, you still love them. And in that relationship of love, you help them understand God's will for their lives. But even if they don't ever agree or ever believe, you love them. So if you're an actual follower of Jesus, then love for others will pour out of your life. And it's going to pour out in many ways, even the daily little stuff. And the text keeps going. It keeps explaining how love works uh, with God and how uh, it should also work with us. So it says, this is love. Okay, not that we love God, but that he loved us. Not that that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us in this way, we also ought to love one another. Here's what this is saying. We are to love others based on the same conditions God has for love. No conditions. (laughs) Okay? This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. So this this is explaining the order of God's love. Right? The order is not, first, you love me, then I love you back. Right? That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible has a different order. It says, first, God loved you. And then it doesn't even have a number, it doesn't have a two after that. Right? And so we are supposed to love in the same order. Not, first you love me, then I love you back, but instead, first, you love them. Other scriptures say the same point. God loved first. Before you ever loved him, even if you didn't love him. In fact, right now, if you don't love God, God still loves you. You are his, you are his creation, he desperately loves you. There's catastrophic consequences for, for living your whole life and never choosing to follow God, but God loves you, and he sent Jesus to die for you first before you ever loved him or ever deserved it so that you would never face those consequences. In the same way that God loves love for you was not dependent on whether you loved him. If you are a Christian, then whether you love someone is not dependent on whether they love you. It doesn't say this is love that that you and God loved each other. It says this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us first. So, So break that down. What about then, okay, Let's, let's give some examples. What about the person who said that terrible stuff to me or about me? Should I love them? Well, God says whether you love someone is not dependent on whether they love you. So, yes. Okay, what about the person who treated me so bad? Well, God says that you know, whether you love someone is not dependent on whether they lo- love you. So, yes, you love them. What about those people who don't care about me? Well, God says that whether you know, they love you is not dependent on whether you love them. So, yes. God's Love is love first. So, so is ours. It's not dependent on whether they love us back. So jump ahead a little, because it says this again. It kind of keeps this, it keeps hitting us with the order of God's love. We love because he first loved us. Again, God's love did not depend on your love for him. So whether you love someone is not dependent on whether they love you. Then it says something really hardcore. Okay, so, so listen to this. But it's also, I think, a little confusing. If you really read what this says, it's a little confusing. And I kind of struggled with this. Whoever claims to love God, yet hates a brother or sister, is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother or sister, whom they have seen, cannot love God, whom they have not seen." Now, brother or sister means your fellow man, okay, or, or your fellow woman. People, people in general. So this is talking about any person in your life that you might hate, right? Whoever claims to love God but hates other people, it says, is a liar. And then it says, you know, um, because you can't love people um, uh, who you, you, if you hate someone who you can see but say you love God who you can't see, then, no, that doesn't work. And that's the part that, to me, seems logically incorrect when I read the text. But I know the text is smarter than me, so as I'm looking at this, and let me explain kind of why this seems logically incorrect. Because isn't it actually easier often to love what you can't see? Anybody here in their past ever been in a long-distance relationship? Right? All right? Man, you're in love as long as they're way over there, right? <laughs> they're, they're like amazing. You're writing them letters and this and that. You're so in love. Then they show up, right? And you're in the same town for a month, and suddenly it's not so great, right? And if, and if you're a young person, that's how it's going to work a lot of the times, okay? Uh, or, or, wait, wait, wait. So, I mean, again, isn't it easier sometimes to love what you can't see? Because I can see you, and maybe you're kind of annoying, right? And it would be a lot easier to love you if I, didn't, if I wasn't actually around you, if I didn't actually see you, so what do you, I'm, and I'm, I'm just saying, like, the text is, wait, what's really going on here, right? Um, listen, here's what it's actually saying, and I, and I have been pausing on this a little um, because this is so powerful, and I'm sincere about that. When I read this text, I was like, wait a second, How does this actually make sense? And then it hit me, and holy smokes, okay? Holy smokes, listen to what this means. Here's what it means. What this text is saying is very simple and very powerful. It's saying this, you cannot love someone if you hate who they love. I want to give you an example of this. I want to explain this clearly from the text of how you cannot love someone when you hate who they love. Okay, so I have three daughters, all right? I've got um, a 16-year-old and, okay, my 16-year-old's in the middle, and then I've got two 15-year-olds right there. Okay, now, these two 15-year-olds, Dave is in the middle, Ellie's on the left, Samantha's on the right. The, the, um, the twin, I, I, I love them so much, like, if you're a parent, you know, right? You're like, oh, I can't even tell you. I mean, yeah, they're annoying sometimes, but I love them, right? But these two are, are twins, uh, identical twins, actually. Uh, Ellie on the left and Sammy on the right. But Sammy was not supposed to survive birth. She is is a really complicated thing. She's had brain surgery, skull transplant surgery, nine surgeries. Uh, God has done a miracle in her life. Um, And um, I've used my kids in illustrations before, but this is someone I want to use, Sam. So I'm going to have Sam come out. All right, Sam, come on out. All right, everybody, let's hear it for Samantha. Okay, Sammy. All right, say hi to everybody. Hi, everybody. Okay, now let me tell you, I love Samantha, okay? Samantha has been through a lot. Um, Samantha's been in all kinds of surgeries, and you really like surgery, right? Yeah, I don't like it. Okay, you don't like it, yeah. Dad's just kidding, okay, Dad's just kidding. We just had a surgery uh, last year. Um, um, listen, I mean, there's, there's obviously a special place in my heart for all my kids. Um, There's something about this little girl and what she's been through and all the stuff she's suffered through, and man, I'm telling you, Sammy, I love you. I
1: love you. I love you too. There we
0: go on the microphone. Now listen, 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 Um. Sammy. Sammy can be, Sammy Sammy can be annoying sometimes. Okay, (laughs) sometimes, once in a while, once in a while, she's a little challenging. Okay, Um, so I get it if even if you were like, man, I don't know if I like Sammy so much. but listen. What if you said, "What if you said to me, Dave, I love you." But, but then you said to me, oh, God, it's hard to say." But I, uh, but I, but I hate, I hate your daughter. Now listen. What if you said that? What, what would I say to you? I say, no, you you can't love me. If you hate who I love, you can't. In fact, if you want to love me, love, love the people that I love. The best way to love me is to love my kids. You cannot love me if you hate who I love. And I would even say, if you say you love me but you hate my daughter, I would say, no, that's a lie. You're a liar by saying you love me. You can't, God is saying, look, if you say you love me, but you hate who I love, sorry, that's a lie. You cannot love me and hate who I love. I wanna talk about this a little more, but I want everyone to say goodbye to Samantha. Thanks for coming out. Sam, say goodbye to everybody. Goodbye, everybody. Okay. This this is why, listen to me, racial prejudice is one of the most ungodly, unchristian things. Oh my goodness. You hate people that God loves. So you don't actually love God, is what he's saying. Think about for a moment how ungodly and even anti-God racial prejudice and racial hatred is. You hate someone that God not just loved, but loved so much that he sacrificed his son for them. God loved them so much, the black people, the white people, the, the, the Latino people, the Asian people. God loved them so much that he, he, his, he sent his son to die for them. That's how much he loved them. He said to, to each of them, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You cannot love God if you hate who God loves. It's the heart of the gospel. That God loves all people, all races, all social classes. All people of varying degrees of sinfulness. He loved them so much, he died for them. The scripture says that Jesus is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. And and just an FYI, this is pretty wild. Did you know that every time you take communion in church, the Lord's Supper, one of the things you're doing is condemning racism and prejudice? Because the scripture says... It's not. Is this not the bread that we break? A participation in the body of Christ because there is one loaf and we who are many, talking about all of us, talking about all the races, we are one body for we all share in this one loaf together. So what do we do with this, right? Well, we know the Bible doesn't say you shouldn't hate other people and be a follower of Jesus. We know the Bible says you can't hate other people and be a follower of Jesus. So what do you do If you're sitting there right now and you know you have some hate in your heart, here's what you do. It's going to be one of these two things. It's going to be repent or forgive or both. If you have racial hatred or hatred for others who are not like you or hatred for others who don't believe what you do, even about spiritual stuff, or anything, then then you repent of it. I mean, look, cast it aside fast, put it to death right away. Because you can't love God if you hate who God loves. How do you do that? How do you repent of that? Uh, Repent of that. You do two things. One, you confess it in prayer. And two, you go on the offensive with love. And I'm going to explain that. First, you confess it in prayer. You you get honest with God, okay? You get honest about what's in, in your heart. You just tell God. Man, God, I, I have passionate dislike for him or her or them or whatever. You just, God knows it already. Just, just confess it, right? You confess the reality and tell him you're sorry. And I don't want to be like that, God. And you renounce it. And God, I want to cast that aside. I want to put that to death in my life. And then you do it again the next day. You do, it, you do as long as you need to do it. But second, you go on the offensive with it. Don't Try not to be prejudiced, but instead try to find ways to actively show kindness and compassion to people you have prejudice against. You go on the offensive with your love. Pray for other people of other races that you don't, maybe don't see, you know, in your neighborhood or wherever. Uh, Go on mission each day, asking God, you know, give me a chance to show some kindness, give me a chance to to make some eye contact, to give some kind words, to smile, whatever. And look, even if your hate is towards people who attack Christianity or attack Jesus or who hate God or who hate what God teaches, your response back should never be to hate back. It has to be to love back. Because God loves those people so much that he sent Jesus to die for them. And God desperately hopes they will realize that at some point and believe. Because you can't love God when you hate who God loves. And, and, and even if you have conversations with people about God and truth, always do it in love. We do need to tell the truth. But our culture must know us Christians as truth tellers, but we must be truth tellers with tears. We are not the victims, they are, because they still haven't received God's salvation and all that he has done for them. So love them, have mercy for them, have compassion, pray for them, desperately go to God on behalf of him. That's what Jesus did, and that's what he does. Now, what if, what if you are the victim of hate or hurt? And that is real hurt, okay? And you're like, man, I'm struggling with this. What do you do? What do you do with that bitterness? What do you do with that hatred? There's one path you forgive, but listen, I don't say that lightly. I know to do that, you might need a lot of help and you might need some time too, but God wants you to forgive. And you know why? It's not just because he loves them, which he does, it's because he loves you. And keeping unforgiveness inside is a terrible thing to do to yourself. God... And God cannot use your life and give, give you all that he hopes to give you, okay? If you hold on to hatred in your heart. And God doesn't trivialize your hurt, okay? So you might be struggling with this question. You might be struggling with it. I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can. Your, your hurt's real. Your, you know What happened to you is real. And you're like, I don't know if I can forgive that person who hurt me so much. Well, I want to tell you about something that's affected my heart and help me live as a forgiver, and not hold on to unforgiveness. It's people in my life who I've seen been hurt greatly, but have forgiven someone through God's work in their life, okay? One of the most influential examples for me personally, and our whole church, our whole church really, is the Good News Jail and Prison Ministry in Rwanda. And, our, and, and in particular, our friend Pius, who's been on this stage, who's a friend of our church, and we've learned a lot from this guy, all right? The Good News Jail and Prison Ministry in Rwanda has been an amazing partnership for our church. They minister to people in Rwanda who have been victims, but they also minister to tens of thousands of the killers themselves in the jails of Rwanda. And you know the story about Rwanda, right? About a million people were brutally killed just because of hate by their neighbors by people who knew them with machetes they killed their neighbors they killed their co-workers they killed moms they killed dads they killed brothers sisters grandmothers grandfathers babies little boys little girls they cut them to pieces it's hard to imagine it's hard to even hear it and just imagine what that was like you know if you had a person you loved cut to pieces, or several people you loved, painfully killed because of hate. That's what happened to our friend Pius. But I want you to hear his story of hurt, hatred, and forgiveness in his own words. So let's all watch this.
1: During the 1994 genocide, I lost uh, 12 close family members. I learned how my sisters were killed. They were burnt alive in a house. Uh, uh, I I, I learned how uh, my my cousins and my brothers were killed. They they, they, they were beaten to death. Uh, I learned how my dad uh, was killed. Uh, 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 He was uh, uh, he, he was killed in a, a multitude of people. They sh- shot them, uh, and the, uh, they were dead. I, I couldn't believe that we we were still human beings. Uh, 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 most of the people, most of the Christians, uh, including me, we thought even God. Uh, had forgotten uh, our country and our people. Later on, I started praying. When I was one day in prayer, I had a a voice telling me, uh, 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 if you want to keep serving me, you have to chase away the bitterness. You have to forgive those people. Uh, who have killed your people, the people who have uh, 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 done wrong to you, uh, you have to forgive them. So I said, how can I forgive those people? The people who have killed so many people in this country, the people who have made so many people orphans and widows, the people who have caused the chaos in this country, The people who have destroyed everything, do they deserve to be forgiven? Uh, And the voice I heard told me uh, that uh, uh, you cannot serve God with that kind of bitterness, with that kind of heart you have. So you have to forgive those people, though they are sinners, but you have to forgive them. And the the voice uh, uh, asked me, aren't you sinner also pious? I said, yes, I'm sinner. But those people have done something beyond our understanding. Uh, 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 That's not human. As I kept praying, uh, I began to pray for those people. I used to tell people that if you want to forgive, uh, if you have Failed to for, to forgive someone, you just start praying for him. As you pray for him, you 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 will feel uh, uh, mercy and forgiveness coming up in your heart. As I kept praying for those killers, uh, 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 I started to realize that uh, 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 it was the devil who used them to do the bad things they did during the genocide and I kept praying for them and uh, 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 I started feeling uh, uh, like uh, 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 I was being uh, uh, relieved and uh, I was being uh, uh, set free. Forgiveness uh, cannot take place uh, in one night. It takes time for someone to forgive. It's a process. Uh, I was not able to forgive the people who killed my people until God uh, uh, enabled me to forgive them. So uh, everyone needs to trust God to be able to give forgiveness to the people who hurt him or her.
0: Yeah, telling you. And I, I show you that for two reasons. Number one, for some of us, when we see that, we realize how selfish some of our hatred is, right? We hate someone because they said something mean or disrespectful to us. And we see that and we realize, wow, Jesus, I'm so sorry. I'm so prideful. I forgive them. Jesus, forgive me for hating for such small things. And then I show that because, I mean, Pius is our friend. I mean, this, this guy, you know, I mean, we, we, we walk together with his ministry as a church. I mean, we've learned a lot from him. So for others of us who really have been hurt and we've believed it was impossible to forgive, Seeing Pius' testimony and how God worked in his life gives us the ability to go, okay, God, you can do what was impossible for me, you can do, God, in my life. It's not impossible for God. God can relieve you of the burden of hate you feel through, through unforgiveness. So I'm asking you to invite God into this with you, and ask him to help you forgive that person today, if that's you. Hatred is so bad because you can't love God if you hate who God loves. But it's also so bad because hate and unforgiveness destroys the work of God and the person who carries it. So lay down that hatred before God today and ask him to help you. So let's pray for each other as we do that, all right? Here we go. Father, we come to you now we thank you for Pius and 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 his friendship with us and his example. We thank you for your word and just how clear, Lord, you make your word to us, and it's not a burden because everything in there is a gift. You want to free us. You want to you want to take bitterness from us. You want to take hatred from us. You want to fill us with love. You want to give us good things. Replace that tough stuff with good stuff. And so, I. I I pray right now, Lord, for all of us who are repenting in, in every little kind of way against bitterness towards people in our lives. Just hear these prayers, Lord. And now we pray, Lord, for people who have just really struggled and they, they have genuine hurt and they've thought it's impossible and they've just lived with the hatred. And But you, God, you can come in and you can do a miracle in their heart. So we just pray, Lord, as they're telling you in their heart that they want to do it, that, that, that you bless them in this, Lord. And just fill them with that hope that you're going to walk them through complete forgiveness. And maybe it doesn't all happen today. Maybe it takes a while. But Lord, you're here with us and you walk with us and you do miracles in our heart and you restore us. So we pray for each of those people who are really struggling with those burdens. Thank you for hearing these prayers, Lord. In the name of Christ, amen.